Good evening, Adams County. I'm Dane Filling, alongside my friend and radio partner, Rex Brewer, live atop the Imaginary Mountain in Berlin, and this is Hitzer Sports Weekly, sponsored by Hitzer Fireplace and Outdoor Patio of Bern. And uh, Rex, we have plenty of high school football action to talk about, some girls basketball action already, talk a little bit about COVID, but uh, our special guests tonight are uh, some Belmont cross-country runners. Uh, they had a fine season, and I know that uh, you know I've already spoke about one other sport one night this week already this season, and uh, we'll get to uh, football later on this week, so it's a trifecta for us this week. As the IHSAA calendar always does, it uh, is a quick transition from one season to the next, and as soon as fall sports end, winter sports begin here in Indiana. And we'd like to thank uh, our buddy Dave Nathan for getting the uh, hits or, or the uh, Haggard Sefton Hershey Zelt uh, High School Wrestling Weekly up on a podcast page. So all you podcasters out there, tune in. And uh, tonight we're going to go through our segments, the Adams Woodcrest uh, Week in Review. We'll talk about uh, the two big football games this past week and the state cross-country finals. Then we'll move to our Decatur Hardware and Rental Outstanding Performer and speak with him. And then we'll move on after a break to Dr. Harshman's Adams County Vision Center special guests, senior uh, Belmont cross-country runners Isaac Filling and Jordan Garlinger along with junior Dion Geis. And then after another break, we'll go to the Adams Memorial Hospital preview and talk about uh, one really big football game and another football game and a couple of basketball games that are going to start play this week. And then we'll finish up with the prognosticators where we put Rex on the spot for some winners in football. And uh, then we'll finish with a Craigville appliance point after. Sounds like a full show. It's definitely going to be. So with that, we will hand it back over to Steve Gagel for a round of messages, and we'll be back after that. Need a new barbecue grill? Visit Hitzer, 269 East Main Street in Bern, for a complete line of grills and smokers. Hitzer features a Saver infrared gas grill with no flare-ups. Or looking to grill, smoke, or bake? The most versatile smoker in the United States is the Big Green Egg. Or check out our complete line of pellet grill smokers. Hitzer also features the Elite Ice Chest Pelican Cooler, which keeps ice for up to 10 days. Hitzer, your barbecue experts located in Bern. Here's some straight talk about insurance from auto owners. You may think eliminating the middleman will save you money. When it comes to insurance, you eliminate a lot more. Like the personal service that comes from dealing with a local agent, someone who lives in your community, who knows you and your insurance needs, and will be there for you when you need them. For the best rates and coverage, call your local independent auto owner's agent. See me, Mark, Toby, or Barb at Graber Insurance, Highway 27 North and Burn and North 13th Street in Decatur. Since 1980, we have been your screen printing professionals. Hi, this is Greg Kitson from Mind's Eye Graphics at 1019 Commerce Drive in Decatur. We take great pride in our screen printing and embroidery accomplishments. If you need from a few to a few hundred garments decorated, we can do it. Schools, organizations, business apparel, and more. Your design or custom design. If you can see it in your mind's eye, we can print it. Forget the busy times and start thinking about leisure times. Adams Woodcrest is about enjoying retirement. With no maintenance waiting at home, you're free to do the things you've dreamed of for years. It's time to start living again. It's easy to call Adams Woodcrest your new home. For visits and tours of Adams Woodcrest Retirement Community, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur, please call 260-728-3989. Woodcrest, member Adams Health Network. Exceptional care, close to you.
and welcome back, Adams County sports fan. We are now in the Adams Woodcrest Week in Review for Hitzer Sports Weekly, and uh, I'm here with my friend and radio partner, Rex Brewer, and we're going to start off talking a little bit about South Adams' big win over Monroe Central. You know, poor Monroe Central, Rex. They have just two losses on the year. They end their season uh, with two losses, but both of them big time to South Adams, and uh, if they were in a different route, uh, they may have been a team that, that was probably at least regional or semi-state caliber, but uh, South Adams just too good this season. You know, we went back and forth over what game to cover, and uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, staying home, close to home, uh, Monroe Central press box, not the biggest, but uh, we already carried that game one time earlier in the season, and uh, South Adams in that, the first time they played them, uh, it was kind of a battle first quarter, and then South Adams kind of opened up their offense a little bit and ended up pulling away, and it really wasn't much of a game. Uh, on the scoreboard, but the first half was actually pretty close. And looking at the scoring in the first half, uh, as they so often do, they hang 21 points, South Adams does, on Monroe Central in the first quarter, come back right again and score 21 more in the second quarter. Uh, I know we were on the radio, a three-man crew at AC on Friday, and I, I told you the first <coughs> score, and I told you to guess it, and you guessed Stutzman from Arnold, and that's exactly what it was. Stutzman, 27-yard pass from uh, James Arnold for another touchdown. Uh, Aiden Warner uh, extends his school record scoring uh, with a point after that was good. Christian Somerset followed six minutes later with a 17-yard touchdown. And then just two minutes later, Somerset scored again from three yards out uh, for a 21-0 lead at at the quarter. In the second quarter, just 14 seconds in. So, uh, Rex, I'm not a math teacher, but that's 32 seconds of play later. Uh, Arnold, another pass complete to Drew Stutzman for 29 yards. Warner making the PAT on all of these uh, with three minutes and 49 seconds. Arnold found Stutzman again, this time for 45 yards for the longest touchdown pass of the game. And uh, Warner made the kick. And to end the scoring in the first half, Nick Miller ran for one yard. An interesting play. And uh, Warner made the kick 42-0 at halftime and from there it's just let's let's run out the clock and let's get out of here you know sometimes um, uh, south Adams goes to that heavy package and uh, we tally that up and that heavy package they run uh, there's 645 pounds in a backfield when they go to the heavy package and uh, occasionally they'll hand it to the up back it's miller usually just lead blocks for uh for um somerset but uh, they go to that heavy package and it's it's an automatic first down anytime they run it and really an efficient night for South Adams, just 314 yards of total offense. I know I say just 314 yards, but that's all you need when you go up 42 points at halftime. You know, on a coach's show one morning toward the end of the season, Grant told me that, you know, James Arnold is close to 8,000 yards passing in his career, and he has three receivers with over 1,500 yards receiving. And if you follow James Arnold on Twitter, he uh, retweeted another offer that he has. From, they're coming from every division, from NAIA, from NCAA, and uh, the young man who is incredibly uh, intelligent has a lot of offers to, uh, to to continue his football career in college. In that game, Christian Somerset with 89 yards uh, rushing, and James Arnold, 10 of 13, 193 yards in the air for three touchdowns. Uh, leading the team in tackles was Brady Beal, who has uh, played really, really well in the last couple of weeks. Maverick Somerset had five tackles. And uh, looking at the tackles for loss, they're spread all the way throughout this South Adams Starfire defense. Braden Bixler had a tackle for loss. Nick Miller, of course, leads the team in, uh, in sacks and tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Aiden Warner goes 6 of 6 on uh, the extra points. And uh, let's see, Nick Miller even punted. 
just three touchdowns in the game for James Arnold. That's the first quarter in some of the games we carried this year. I think he set the school record in one game. I think more than once he's he threw seven touchdown passes in the first half. And another underrated player, I think, on that South Adams team because they have so many big names on offense and on special teams is Trey Shock had uh, two punt returns uh, for 62 yards for a 31-yard average and uh, does a really nice job and, and, and is uh, another dimension for South Adams. Now, in the game uh, that you and I and Dave Nathan called on um, WZBD last Friday, Adam Central uh, hosted Triton after defeating Fremont in the first round of the sectionals. And uh, it was a slow start. Uh, we talked about in the first quarter that Triton's game plan was going to be to control the clock and keep the clock running. And uh, they just about did that until they put the ball on the ground, and then that was the turning point for Adam Central. Yeah, once Adam Central got the ball, and then they started, started driving it. First half still a bit slow, but in the second half, uh, Adam Central found their running game, opened it up. So Adam Central gets a touchdown in the second quarter to take a 7-0 lead into halftime. From there, they come back with 17 uh, points in the third quarter to build a 24-0 lead. And uh, both teams scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but the game was over by that point. Uh, Alex Curry had the 12-yard touchdown run out of, uh, let's see, with just two minutes left in the second quarter. And then Trevor Curry made a field goal, uh, one of the few field goals attempted in Adams County High School football this year from 23 yards out for a 10-0 lead. Um, Cole Shively then had a pass picked off uh, by none other than Mason DeRue, and he took it all the way back for a pick six, and Curry's kick was good. In the third quarter, uh, just 20, no, 19 seconds later, uh, after a turnover, uh, Ryan Black had a pass compete, complete to Josh Mosier for 15 yards and a touchdown. The Curry kick was good. In the fourth quarter, Nick Neuenschwander ran for 23 yards for a touchdown. And uh, Triton finally got on the board down 31 to nothing um, with Hunter McIntyre running for 80 yards. Uh, by that point, I was already on my JV. I was already on my way to uh, the Democrat office to get the paper finished. Rex, they, uh, they had uh, substituted the, the number. That was the first play from scrimmage that Am Central's number two defense was in. He goes for a touchdown. Probably not uh, good for AC's JV boys the next day at practice, giving up an 80-yard run. But uh, when you're up 31 to nothing, uh, you don't want to get any injuries, and uh, you want to stay safe and uh, keep moving forward in the season. Uh, Triton had just 141 yards of total offense, while Adam Central totaled 307. Uh, Triton completed just one pass, and that's kind of what we knew coming in was going to be the deal. Ryan Black throws the ball 10 times, but only makes two completions, one of them for the 31-yard touchdown. Um, on the ground, Alex Curry with 143 yards on just 12 carries. Nick Neuenschwander had 13 carries for 74 yards. Blake Hirely had 45. Any other comments on that game, Rex? Yeah, the Jets are glad to have Alex Curry back in that high ankle sprain. And, uh, you know, they had a, had a couple of weeks where they were able to set him and rest that leg. But they found another dimension by putting Nui in the backfield. Uh, they got another speedster. And uh, Neuenschwander really picked up the uh, slack when uh, Curry was injured. Now they left him backfield. So they got the one-two punch with Curry and Nui. So um, uh, that's a lot of speed in the backfield. And then they got Hirely, who's been against real good ground, done all the, the workhorse stuff up the middle. And I'll tell you what, as we headed into the sectional finals uh, on Friday, it really feels like both teams are playing at full strength. And I'll knock on wood, and I don't want that to change as uh, everybody in Adams County hopes that both teams win and set 
the county up for a really big matchup in the regional finals between South Adams and Adams Central. But uh, great to see, the, to see these two teams performing at full strength with a full um, complement of uh, offensive weapons and all of their starters in. And I know that uh, South Adams really struggled last year um, in the postseason when they lost Drew Stutzman. And uh, you just want to see both teams keep competing with their full roster until one of them. And then once again, we um, we looked at the games in the M Central uh, M Central game South M Central Southwood game looks to be the best game. So we've decided to go to Adam Central two weeks in a row and cover that game between undefeated uh, 11-0 Southwood and uh, Adam Central. I think the South Adams game is going to be kind of a blowout. So that's probably uh, money well spent to go to South Adams uh, the following week. Uh, would I think most likely to set up another Adams County matchup for that regional championship. And we'll talk about it later in the show, but uh, Southwood comes in number three in the state in uh, 1A, 11-0. Of course, uh, I was on the show two weeks ago with Michael Sprunger, and we were discussing that Southwood was done. They had announced that they were out of the tournament. They had enough people who had been quarantined, and they weren't going to compete. And that was a huge deal for uh, Adam Central and South Adams both because that was really the big-name team in that regional. And uh, by, I think, Thursday night or Friday morning, they'd come back and they had said that Southwood was quarantining, but they were going to play, and then they were going to go back into quarantine. And it just kind of reiterates the fact that uh, each county is kind of making its own rules as we go forward in each school district. And uh, But, you know, kudos to Southwood for not giving up and uh, doing what they needed to do to uh, get the win. And to their credit, too, they had a big uh, local rivalry with Northfield last week. And Northfield's a team that knocked them out of the tournament last season. We all thought that Southwood was going to play Adam Central in the sectional finals, and it was actually Northfield. But uh, they came into that game with their local rivals and uh, took care of business. And it just goes to show you with this uh, kind of crazy COVID season, you just have to get creative with how you stay in a tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the other big events in uh, the state of Indiana were the boys and girls cross country finals. And since we have our three boys here uh, for our next segment, we're going to take a real quick look at how the girls state finals finished up. And I am looking, I gotta make sure I got the right one. Okay, good. I got girls names in front of me. So your girls cross country state champion was Karina James from Lowell. And I believe I saw that that is back to back individual champions for Lowell High School, two different girls, and uh, she finishes uh, practically in 18 minutes flat on the course, and uh, from what Coach Heisner told me, the coach was a little bit soft, or the, the coach, the course was a little bit soft and a little bit slow. That's and, the broadcasters. Uh, That's broadcasters are a little bit soft. <laughs> and uh, Carol's uh, senior, Zoe Duffus, was two seconds behind to finish in second place. Addie Wiley, who was, uh, I guess, technically, since there was no track season last year, she is still the defending 800-meter state champ from Huntington North. She finishes in 1825, and my printout cuts off the placement, so that's for sixth place. Uh, Nikki Sutherland from Delta, a freshman, finished three spots behind her in ninth. The team title went to Carmel, with Carol finishing in second. And Columbus North, who won the boys' team race, they finished in third. Uh, the next closest local team was the girls' team from Concordia in 10th. And Homestead was 16th. Uh, of course, the runner that we were following most 
here at WZBD was Lauren Bales, who, boys, am I correct? She was the sectional champ for us yeah. at our sectional. Okay. Yeah. She finished uh, a little bit further down in 1847. And Norwell also had another runner who, as I scroll down here, Miss Monin Smith is a senior for Norwell. She finished in 1956, uh, somewhat further back. Um, and we will go over the boys team scores when we come back but we want to go through our decatur hardware and rental outstanding performer and uh rex i don't know how much you followed the cross-country season but i'm lucky enough to have both not both all three of these boys uh in class every day and i had for the last three or four years and uh, uh a really cool season that they had and we'll talk about this in the next segment but in front of us we have the reigning sectional and conference champ next to him is the all-time school record holder in belmont history and next to him is the 44th fastest runner in the state. So that's three guys, three different guys, on one team with three major records. Absolutely. And so our Decatur Hardware and Rental Outstanding Performer is going to be Isaac Filling, who finished in 44th place. And, uh, you know, I called them the three-headed monster in the Democrat practically all season. And uh, at the beginning of the season, it was Jordan out in front. And then for a while, Dion was out in front. And then a couple of times, Isaac was in second. And I don't know how many, if you guys have them counted up, who won how many races? Jordan, the only race that you finished in front was the one that <laughs> the, counted. The one so that counts. a well-deserving Decatur Hardware and Rental Outstanding Performer. And with that, we will hand it back over to Steve for a round of messages, and we'll be back after that. We're here at Craigville Appliance. If your mower is tired, come to Craigville Appliance and get a new Ferris Zero-Turn Lawn Mower. It's a great time to get a Ferris Zero-Turn Lawnmower before the price increases of 2021. We've got financing and we've got rebates till the end of October. Don't mess around. We have demos. Come into Craigville Appliance and check out our Ferris Zero-Turn Lawnmowers, four-wheel independent suspension, some models with suspension seat. Come in or check us on the web at cappliance.com. It's season cap, well, appliance.com. Know the warning signs. Know the difference and get help fast. Call 911 immediately if you experience these symptoms of stroke numbness or weakness of face, arm, or leg, trouble speaking or seeing, dizziness or loss of balance, sudden severe headache, symptoms of heart attack including chest pain, lightheadedness, nausea, jaw, neck, stomach, or back pain, pain in the arm or shoulder, or shortness of breath. Don't take a chance with your health. Allow Adams Memorial Hospital to safely serve you. Do you know all of the services available at Decatur Hardware and Rental? We cut keys, ship UPS packages, color match paint, test pool water, cut and thread pipe, cut glass, replace window screens, rent U-Haul trucks and trailers, and fill propane tanks. We're here to help you with your home repair and improvement projects. In our rental department with lawn and garden, paints and stains, hand tools, fasteners, plumbing, and electrical supplies. Your local hardware store since 1972. Located across from Bungie, Decatur Hardware and Rental. Do it best. Your site is precious. Your eye care professional invaluable. Dr. Alan Harshman's Adams County Vision Center is conveniently located at 815 South 13th Street in Indicator. Dr. Harshman's experience combined with state-of-the-art technology assures you the finest eye care available. Dr. Harshman's Adams County Vision Center offers the latest in contact lenses and frames. Dr. Harshman and his staff look forward to seeing you for all your eye care needs. Call 724-4111. Welcome back, Adams County sports fans, and we are now in the Dr. Harshman's Adams County Vision Center special guests. 
on Hitzer Sports Weekly, and we are joined by Belmont seniors Isaac Filling and Jordan Garlinger, along with junior Dion Geis. And boys, do you have a preference in which language we conduct this interview, or do you want to just stick with English? English. Okay, English it is. So, you ask the questions in German. Okay, now that would be interesting. So, uh, first off, uh, introduce yourselves and uh, tell us who your parents are. I'm Isaac Filling. My parents are Mindy and Dean Filling. I'm Jordan Garlinger. My parents are Elvis and Dana Garlinger. Hello, I'm Dion Geis. My parents are Danielle and Nathan York. Okay, and we will start with uh, our Decatur Hardware and Rental Outstanding Performer, and that is Isaac. So looking at these results, uh, we can see that you finished in 44th place. Tell us about the number. The time is always the key in cross country. What was your time? I was, if I remember, 1628, which wasn't exactly my fastest. It was pretty average for my season, but that was definitely one of my best races. And if it was run on any other course, that would have been my fastest. So for me, I've been covering sports for the Decatur Daily Democrat for five years now. Uh, I've learned a lot about high school football. In the last year, I've learned a lot about high school volleyball, but I'm still learning something about high school cross country. So tell us a little bit. When Coach Heisner tells us that a course is slow, what, what exactly does that mean? There's been rain the night before and uh, it's softer on your feet yes it slow course just means that if the course will have some type of obstacle or the weather won't be in its optimal condition so your everyone will run slower average or at marion which is our fastest course we run is very flat has no hills and is some areas where you can cut the course a bit so it's fast. Everyone's time is normally averaged faster. Now, whenever I talk to Coach Heisner, he's always talking about the temperature and what the conditions are going to be. Now, from an outsider who's never really run a race in his life, uh, I would think that the ideal temperature would be 60s, 70s. That seems like a nice time to go out and run. Rex, is that usually when you run when it's 60 or 70 degrees? He's shaking his head now. <laughs> so what is the ideal temperature? Uh, I would say, for me at least, it'd be mid 40s to low 50s uh anything other than that it's okay 60s it's starting to get a little too hot for me so any ex any excess sweat is uh, is slowing you down is that is I, that the idea and I when you run in august those times are hard to uh to to bring down because it's sometimes in the 80s even at saturday morning at, at 9 a.m so tell us a little bit about what the course is like in Terre Haute. I know that Coach Heisner told me in his interview that uh, sometimes they run college championship races there, um, and it's a course totally dedicated just to cross country. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful there. It was, I could definitely tell the grounds was well kept. I had a map that had elevation and I studied it, but when I ran there, it still felt different. During the first K, it's, it's just a straight shot, and that was a very new experience. I've never ran straight for that long other than when I ran out in the country. but And I saw on Twitter the IHSAA saying that because of COVID, there were going to be no practice um, rounds or laps or whatever on the course the night before. Is that common for the state finals, that they allow you to run on it once? Do you know? Yes. Most courses you'll go and run it the night before, especially bigger meets. Whenever we had Tiffin or New Prairie, 
since since COVID, we didn't stay, but we'd stay overnight, run the course the day before, and then come back just so you get a feel for the course and the different elevation. So you'll know how to hit a hill and you won't burn out because of it. And certainly different for you in the state finals, because if you think of the sectional, regional, and semi-state courses that you ran, uh, you had seen all of them in the regular season, correct? Sectional was at Belmont, obviously yes. your home yeah. course. Regional was at Marion at the Indiana Wesleyan course, which you've run in regional in past years. And then you guys ran at a Marion invite earlier in the year, correct? Yes. And then in semi-state, they moved from what used to it used to be up at the Plex in Fort Wayne somewhere, yeah. but they moved it to Huntington. And obviously, you're familiar with the Huntington course. Right. So is that an advantage to know the course ahead of time and to know where uh, the, the rough spots are? It definitely is an advantage. It's just you'll, you have more of a familiarity with the course. You know what tangents to take to cut the course a little shorter, how to hit a hill so you're not going to die at the top of it or just how to work your way around the crowd. And that's why I, I had a map with elevation. And I studied that so I could tell how would I want to tackle this course. And so a 44th place finish, What what where does that rank in what you were thinking was going to happen when you came into Saturday morning? Well, I wasn't thinking much about placement. I, I came in thinking I'm going to do my best to beat Dion. I didn't really care where I placed. They had me originally seated at 94th. And I placed 50 so spots ahead of that. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the results, and Heisner said that I would place 12th out of the runners out of our semi-state. And that was something that Coach Heisner was really excited about was you were 20th at semi-state, right? Yes. And and you passed eight different runners that Mm -hmm. that beat you at semi-state on this course. And uh, that's a great credit to the work that you've put in over four years. Now, I have a question for you before you hand it off to one of your teammates who put in the most miles this summer between the three of you definitely dion it's got to be dion okay let's hand the mic over to him and dion uh coach heisner tells me that you are the first junior in the history of belmont high school 53 years i believe to qualify for the state meet was that a goal of yours is that something that you thought you could attain at the beginning of the year well i actually didn't know i was going to be the first junior to make it my my goal was to make it there, and, I mean, yeah, it was amazing to have that feeling of being the first person to do it. And uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was really cool, uh, when you set the regional, the school record at regional, you barely got beat by Mr. Sweet from Southwood. And uh, I know that one of the first things I looked for on the results at semi-state was that you not only qualified for state, but you came back and you were able to finish just ahead of him? Was he directly behind you? Yeah, it was about two seconds. So does that give you motivation? Uh, I know a lot of times we think of cross-country as an individual sport that's not really head-to-head, but is there that guy where you think, man, I should have gotten him last time, and there's no way I'm letting that guy beat me? Is that how you look at it? Yeah, yeah. It was actually pretty nice at regionals because he kind of paced me through and, and gave me the ability to beat the record and gave me competition. So what motivates you at the beginning of the year to think, well, in the next three months, I'm going to run 500 miles, 700 miles, 1,000 miles. I don't know how many miles you guys actually log. What 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 gives you that motivation? I like winning. <laughs> okay, so it's definitely a competitive nature. How much of it is uh, your teammates and how much of it is your coach? Well, I feel like, I kind of owe Randy because he's such an amazing coach and he's always there for me. And same thing for my teammates. I want to make them proud and 
because personally they're the reason I they're one of the reasons I actually run just because I feel like I'm I they're like a family I have a I have an environment where I can talk to people about stuff or I can you know joke around with them and I'm able to work hard with them too and something that I've always found true about Randy's teams and Carl Rich's teams too at Belmont is that it always seems like there's a group of guys who are perfectly happy to go out after school, never be in contention to run a varsity race, but they will run their hearts out because they love being a part of that team. And I know that if you talk to other head coaches in other sports, uh, they have discussions. What, what does cross country do? Cross country is not easy, right? It's not an easy sport. But what do they do that makes it so fun that, that, that you guys have so many guys that come out? You had uh, one or two seniors that uh, barely ran a varsity race this year, but they were with you every step of the way. And uh, I think that's pretty special to speak of your, uh, of your program that way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like cross country is more of competing with yourself because you, you can obviously see your times and so – you have a pretty good marking of where you're at and you can take, of course you can take like courses and the weather and do account, but you can see your progress, which is great. And then your teammates provide nothing but support. Yeah. And yeah. not, not really in a negative way ever, but you've got those extra, uh, support measures. And, and I had kids that ran cross country and, and from coming from a very competitive sport like wrestling, I was, I was so taken back by the fact that when you went to a cross country meet, People on the side were cheering for people on other teams. It's like they're cheering these kids on. I'm thinking, why are you cheering for the other team? And it's like this one big happy group hug family event. And and it was. I mean, if the people are run, you want to cheer for the people like your team up front. But it's the people that are cheering for the people who are running 50th, 60th, 70th. And it's like they're cheering these people on. And it's like, you know, that person is really putting everything they have into it. But here's the whole crowd cheering them on. And you're thinking, wow, this is kind of a different environment for a sporting event, and it, it really kind of set me back. But I went through four years of it and really enjoyed a lot of it. Yeah, definitely a part of the sport is seeing young people succeed and uh, seeing the hard work that they put into it. And, you know, we see that in wrestling sometimes where you can tell that a kid's working hard and he comes into sectional and his record may be 5-20 and 20 and he gets beat in the first round and his season's over and he never really gets that opportunity for someone to really give – uh, you know, to even make it out of the first period and have somebody cheer for him. But uh, that is something that I like. And uh, y y people wait till the end of the race and are cheering on that very last person to not give up. And, uh, you know, you've got a couple of teammates who, you know, are not going to set any school records in their career. But I really uh, laud the fact at how supportive you guys are and what kind of a team you guys have to support those kids who are really out there just trying to do better for themselves, get in better shape, learn a little bit of discipline. And I think that speaks well for, for, for your program. So why don't you hand the mic over to Mr. Garlinger, who is the only conference champ in Belmont cross country history. Did you know that coming in? Did Randy even know that? Or did he have it in the back of his mind and tell you after you had won? Um, we were kind of talking about like, the days leading up to it, it's like one of us had the possibility for sure to become the conference champ, and I was hoping it was going to be me and end up being me, but I was going to be perfectly okay with it being Dion or Isaac. Both these guys, guys are definitely capable of being up there, and I could see Dion winning conference next year for sure, but that Concordia, was it? Columbia, Columbia City kid is definitely going to be some competition for Dion. He had a great end of the season, correct? Oh, yeah. His time's... 
uh, fell dramatically, I think I saw in some of those. So Jordan, you go with these two guys and you keep training, even though your season is technically over. What kind of role did you play on uh, Friday and Saturday as these two guys prepared to run the biggest race of their lives? Um, Friday, I mostly just biked with them because I was like, eh, it's just an easy run. There's no sense in me like taking up too much space. So I biked along, talked with Randy, chatted with them, make sure... I'm I'm mostly the pace guy, so I'm like making sure we're on pace, doing all the splits and stuff. So whenever they do like intervals, I'm always there, making sure we're on time, making sure we're hitting the fast end or not much slower than the slow end. And then Saturday, I cheered them on as much as I could. It was such an experience to be there with them. Even though I didn't run, it felt amazing to be there. Um, whenever they first started, their that first K, it's just amazing because the whole all all the crowd stream for everyone everyone there trying to get out and then as soon as they pass everyone runs down the hill right to the next place they were going to be at and then i'm just trying to sprint along trying to avoid everybody i can and then get to the next spot sooner so one of the big storylines of the weekend was obviously uh the winner of the boys race isaiah sturry uh did the three of you know him at all have you have you spent any time with the young man from angola um, after New Prairie, um, he was in our race, and we caught him on a cool down. We talked to him a little bit, congratulating on his big win. And then um, that was after we competed at the Wildcat Invite in Marion, where he won and broke 15. He ran like 14.52 or something crazy like that. And we congratulated him on the big win again. And then, and uh, I just I I had I had heard a little bit about him because uh, Rex and I are familiar with another young man who was adopted from Africa, who made it to the state finals for Warsaw, Jacob Linke. Um, but I didn't really know the details behind this Isaiah Sturry. Um, he lived in Ethiopia until the age of eight or nine and was orphaned and, and, and worked herding sheep and those types of things and was, according to the story that David Woods wrote, throwing rocks at wolves and that kind of thing and uh, ends up getting adopted by a family from northern Indiana and uh, didn't really know much about running, it said, when he was 11, 12, 13 years old, or, or really even know, he didn't even really know that his Ethiopian heritage might have given him a little bit of an advantage as a long-distance runner. But um, sounds like a really great kid and someone befitting of, uh, of carrying the, the title of, of state champ and someone that uh, I have a feeling that the three of you are probably going to be able to see on TV in years to come, either in the U.S. Nationals, um, in the Olympics, in those types of races. And, and that's pretty cool that you got to compete against someone like that. And my general manager at work is from Angola and told me a little bit of the backstory. And he said that because he was adopted in that, that he was technically two years behind. So he's 18 years old right now. So if he didn't win the state championship this year, he was not going to be able to compete next year anyway. So it's one of those things that being transitioned in like that there's an age thing so i mean it's it's good that he won this race this year but breaking 15 in a race i mean that, that's incredible and that, that's why they're talking about him being nationally ranked and going on to college and and they said that uh, former indiana state champion was also a national champion as well his uh final time then was 15 23 and the next uh fastest runner was lucas guerra of highland at 15 34 Right before we go to the break here, I just want to talk a little bit more about Coach Heisner. I have a friend who uh, had a son who ran for him a couple years ago, and he said that uh, you guys have a team app where he shares news and he, he sends out things. And uh, this parent 
did not take himself off of that list simply because he enjoys how supportive and positive that Coach Heisner is. And uh, how does that compare to other experiences that you have? And, and how helpful is he in, uh, in going for that, that, that last stretch on the run? Um, Heiser definitely goes the extra mile for us. He takes splits like crazy. He takes a mile split, a two-mile split. He calculates a three-mile split for us. He puts it all on a sheet, and he has these special markings for, like, your average. If your average is, like, under 515, you get a smiley face. And if it's under, like, 530, you get, like, two two cash signs. And then at the end of the split sheets, he always puts comments, and the comments are just really, re- really good to read. Even if you're reading someone else's, it's like, wow, good. they had a great race. It's really good for them and as editor at the decatur daily democrat he sends me those and so that i see the the comments and it's amazing to see how he can pick out the positive in every kid's race and uh, i think some of that is uh, as those kids are going through the end of that race they want to make sure that 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 they perform for him so that he can find that positive and remind them of, of what they've done so before we go to break here why don't you uh give a final wish to uh, whoever you want to thank the most for your uh success your shout outs whatever and then we'll go to a break i'd like to thank isaac because he's one of the few guys who got me to run in the first place i started back in like seventh grade to run cross country and he's just been all, right by my side all the way I got a bit more of a list than <laughs> I need. I'd like to thank my parents. They just kind of kept even kept me uh, just they kept me informed. They kept me positive and motivated and financially stable, la- allowing me to buy all the shoes and spikes I needed because that could rack up a bill. Then my brothers would always push me. They kind of got me into the competitive nature. Now I can finally say since I've gone to state that I was the best athlete in the family. <laughs> And I'd really like to thank the community because they really supported our team. And ever since last year, since freshman year, I've been trying to get the community seeing a little more support for our sport. And I've really seen the outlook this this year. I hope it continues for Dion. Um, I like the I like Isaac. I'd like to thank the community, like Parks and Rec. They put out that sign that can, that gave it like wished us well and told us good luck, and that really gave us some motivation. I'd also like to thank Chase Kukohan. He, my freshman year, he convinced me after cross country to start running during the winter, and I, I was going to run track, but he, he convinced me to stay competitive and stay running in meets and building up mileage, and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, kind of a silent guy, but somebody who motivated you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, with that, we'll hand it back over to Steve for a round of messages and be back after that. Need a new barbecue grill? Visit Hitzer, 269 East Main Street in Bern for a complete line of grills and smokers. Hitzer features a Saver infrared gas grill with no flare-ups. Or looking to grill, smoke, or bake? The most versatile smoker in the United States is the Big Green Egg. Or check out our complete line of pellet grill smokers. Hitzer also features the Elite Ice Chest Pelican Cooler, which keeps ice for up to 10 days. Hitzer, your barbecue experts located in Bern. Here's some straight talk about insurance from auto owners. You may think eliminating the middleman will save you money. When it comes to insurance, you eliminate a lot more. Like the personal service that comes from dealing with a local agent. Someone who lives in your community, who knows you and your insurance needs, and will be there for you when you need them. For the best rates and coverage, call your local independent auto owner's agent. See Mark, Toby, or Barb at Graber Insurance, Highway 27 North in Burn and North 13th Street Indicator. Even though we print worldwide, we are most proud of you. 
our friends, neighbors, and associates that make Mind's Eye Graphics a world leader in screen printing and embroidery. Hi, this is Greg Kitson, and on behalf of our staff and myself, I want to say thank you for making Decatur and Adams County a great community to live and work. Please think of us at Mind's Eye, 1019 West Commerce Drive, for all your screen printing and embroidery needs. If you can see it in your mind's eye, we can print it. Forget the busy times and start thinking about leisure times. Adams Woodcrest is about enjoying retirement. With no maintenance waiting at home, you're free to do the things you've dreamed of for years. It's time to start living again. It's easy to call Adams Woodcrest your new home. For visits and tours of Adams Woodcrest Retirement Community, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur, please call 260-728-3989. Woodcrest, member Adams Health Network. Exceptional care, close to you. And welcome back, Adams County sports fans, to Hits or Sports Weekly. Uh, we are now in the Adams Memorial Hospital preview, Rex. And uh, obviously we are into prime high school football uh, mode. We are into the sectional finals now that we finally let the 6A and 5A schools get to play their part. Of course, they, they only have half the schools that they that they have to compete against. But uh, there are some big matchups, but we're going to focus on those here in Adams County. Uh, 11-0, number three, Southwood, will be uh, traveling uh, east to Adams Central. And we'll have that game for you uh, on WZBD. Adam Central comes in at 8-2 and two and ranked number 7. And then, uh, as Rex mentioned earlier, Madison Grant will be playing at South Adams. Madison Grant just 3-5 and five and South Adams 10-0. And, and Rex, uh, I've provided you here with all the sectional lineups, and it is an ever-changing list because uh, of COVID. And I saw today already... That Zionsville is now the 5A sectional champion, number 12, as they win by forfeit because McCutcheon is out. And um, I believe that Zionsville will play the winner of Fort Wayne Northside and Fort Wayne Dwanger, which will likely be Dwanger. There is another forfeit in 2A, no, 3A, as I believe Sullivan is out down south in Washington, will be sectional champs. And uh, believe it or not, uh, Jet and Starfire fans, Lafayette Central Catholic is already sectional champ, and uh, we know that they knocked off the Jets last year in uh, kind of a disappointing way for us to end the high school football season. But uh, you know that's a team that you're never going to be able to look past. What is their record right now? Do you have it there? Uh, it it didn't mention on John Harrell's site, but I believe they were just maybe three and four. They I know they missed at least two games, if not three, due to COVID. Yeah, and uh, we know that uh, neighboring West Lafayette did not get to compete at all at sectional. They were quarantined and never got to play their game. So uh, disappointing. Uh, quarantine is the name of the game. Um, I'm not sure anything is official yet. But uh, I'm not sure that we're going to have girls basketball uh, here in the next week as I think we're dealing with some issues across the county. But uh, currently scheduled are Belmont games at Garrett and at Concordia uh, between now and our next show, our next Hitzer show, Rex, not our next show. Um, <laughs> and uh, Adam Central will be hosting both uh, Eastside and Bishop Lures over the next week. And uh, we will bring you basketball action next Wednesday on our show. But uh, before we go to our next break, we're going to go to From the Archives, and we're going to say that it's sponsored by Mind's Eye Graphics. And uh, one of the challenges of being a sports editor in the middle of a pandemic when there are no sports is trying to find some sports to write about. 
And uh, I know I piqued your interest earlier in the year with some microfilm research in the Adams Public Library, and we want to give a shout-out to them for providing that service. Uh, it's very accessible. If you ever need to look anything up historically, whether it's a birth or a marriage or a death, uh, it's very easy to find, and the ladies there are very nice. But uh, I did come across a 40 years ago clip, and we were talking about the fact that there was just one team listed, but it was both boys and girls cross-country with one coach. Yeah, and back in the day, I, I know that um, I had graduated in 1979, but my wife was a uh, track runner in 1980 when her senior year was, and they did not have girls cross-country. They didn't have a team. So um, she talked to a few of her track friends and want to go out, and they didn't have a team. So they just talk, talked to Doug Ballman, the coach at the time, and said, hey, coach, can we just run with you guys? And he said, yeah, sure. So they ran. They did not have any scheduled events. I think they just ran the same time the boys did and just kind of trailed behind them. But uh, uh, along with my wife, uh, B. Brewer was uh, actually B. Schnur back in the day, um, Barb Gallagher, um, Kathy Miller, Elaine Moeller, Flavia Titus, uh, Shelly Baker, and um, Linda Kinnicky, uh ran on the boys' team. So I pulled this out of the 1980 legend um, yearbook, and they're just – sitting right along with the guys, the whole team. So, uh, And I believe, and we, we tried to do this research, but we did not realize, but I believe the next year, in 1981, they became an official sport for the ITS, for um, sanctioned with uh, Belmont for girls cross country. So uh, she always talked about she was the forerunner and she was the, she was the starter of the girls' cross-country team at Belmont High School. A groundbreaker. And I know that uh, the IHSAA sponsored basketball. I think the first girls' basketball tournament was in 1976. And, of course, basketball is and was and always will be sacred in Indiana. But uh, the volleyball tournament was actually started before basketball. So the, the, the IHSAA sponsored a, a volleyball tournament all the way back in 1973. I'd have to look up when the first state title or state championship race was for girls cross country. But uh, interesting how those things go. And, you know, Rex, we have sort of a preview to that in what uh, Andrea Hernandez and Trinity Coyne are doing right now in uh, the Belmont Wrestling Program. I think 15, 20 years down the road, we will look back at those two girls as sort of pioneers in, uh, in, the, same, uh, in the same breath. And, and I think across the state, everybody kind of looks towards Sarah Hildebrand that you and I are trying to get onto our wrestling show. Um, she's kind of been the forerunner. She wrestled uh, for Penn High School on the boys' team one year when Belmont wrestled uh, them in the dual meet state tournament. And she, she defeated a Belmont wrestler, Handley. I didn't want to bring him up. He, kn- he remembers it. But uh, uh, she was a stud then, and she's, pr- she's one of the top wrestlers in the world right now. And a female, I think she's ranked number one at 50 kilos. And uh, she's a stud. And if you watch tapes of her wrestling, and along with her and Helen Mulius and, and Kayla Miracle and those girls, they, they're technically as good as the men, and, and they're phenomenal to watch. And uh, just some quick research here as we were talking about your wife. Uh, a minute ago, the first girls cross-country state championship race was held in the 1981-1982 season. It does not say whether that was a fall or a spring race, but the very first state champion was from the now defunct uh, Harding High School, Crystal Walker. So uh, with that, we will hand it back over to Steve for a round of messages, and we will be back after that. 
We're here at Craigville Appliance, and it's harvest time out here in the country. If it's time to upgrade your appliances, come out to Craigville Appliance. We've got an excellent selection of brands like LG, KitchenAid, Whirlpool, Maytag, Speed Queen, Bertrazzoni, Zephyr. We've got all this stuff in stock, ready for installation. We've got financing. We make it super easy. Your yield goes farther at Craigville Appliance. Come into Craigville Appliance or check us out on the web at cappliance.com. at SeasonCat, well, appliance.com. Groundbreaking service from Adams Memorial Hospital and its doctors is here. Anyone wishing to receive medical attention from the convenience of their own home can now use telemedicine. Adams Medical Group allows you to use telehealth visits to speak directly to your provider from your computer or smartphone. Telehealth visits typically take 10 to 15 minutes and include a diagnosis and, if needed, prescriptions. Call your doctor's office for more information. Do you know all of the services available at Decatur Hardware and Rental? We cut keys, ship UPS packages, color match paint, test pool water, cut and thread pipe, cut glass, replace window screens, rent U-Haul trucks and trailers, and fill propane tanks. We're here to help you with your home repair and improvement projects. In our rental department with lawn and garden, paints and stains, hand tools, fasteners, plumbing, and electrical supplies. Your local hardware store since 1972. Located across from Bungie, Decatur Hardware and Rental. Do it best. Your sight is precious. Your eye care professional invaluable. Dr. Alan Harshman's Adams County Vision Center is conveniently located at 815 South 13th Street at Indicator. Dr. Harshman's experience combined with state-of-the-art technology assures you the finest eye care available. Dr. Harshman's Adams County Vision Center offers the latest in contact lenses and frames. Dr. Harshman and his staff look forward to seeing you for all your eye care needs. Call 724-4111. And welcome back, Adams County sports fans, to Hitzer Sports Weekly. We are now in the Graber Insurance Presents the Prognosticators, and uh, Rex, we're going to take a look at the uh, 1A sectional finals. Now, we don't know all of these teams, but we're going to start with 1A here at the beginning, and um, I'm going to make sure that I put you on record. We're going to give you Madison Grant at South Adams. Oh, gee, let me guess. Madison Grant's uh, three and something or other. That's that's a... That's a South Adams varsity plays the first quarter and a half, and it's their JV plays the second half. Now, what about Southwood and Adams Central? I don't, I don't know. I know that Southwood, we, we covered a couple of their games the year before last, and Southwood's pretty tough. Um, all I know is I want Adams Central to win because I don't want to go to Southwood to cover a game for regional. Good enough for me. Let's move on up to 2A. Um, the local 2A sectional features a team who beat South Adams, a team that we've seen in the last couple of years. East side ranked number four in 2A at 10 and one. Sorry, and they correction. Are, they beat Adams Central. Yes, that's what I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and they uh, play at Fort Wayne Lures. Lures comes in at five and six, but obviously Lures does not uh, play another 2A team until they get to sectional in most seasons. Uh, that east side team's the real deal. They're studs. Uh, I know that uh, I've talked to my general manager's kid plays for Adam, uh, for Angola, and I said they're the real deal, and they are tough. They're the real deal. I, I think um, east side takes Bluers out. Now moving on up to 3A, it will be number seven uh, Norwell at 10-1 and one against Fort Wayne Concordia, 5-5. Five and five. Same kind of thing with Fort Wayne Concordia. Uh, they play a lot of 4A and 5A schools, uh, but who do you see winning there? I, I 
I think Norwell is just steady enough, and they keep going on and on, and uh, they've been able to compete with, like, Leo and the NE8, and I think Norwell wins that game as well. Okay, another uh, matchup featuring not one but two NE8 teams in 4A in uh, sectional 19 in the north. East Noble, 8-3 and three at number 6, Leo, who are 10-1. and one. Um, Leo had defeated him earlier in the season, I believe, and uh, w- we saw East Noble when they played Belmont that last game of the season, and East Noble is a good team, but they're not the East Noble teams of the past, and I think Leo wins that game as well. And I think the biggest game in the state in 6A is probably the matchup between Carmel and Brownsburg. Now, I know playing in front of you and in front of Dave Nathan on WZBD is a big honor, but Brownsburg actually played a game that was broadcast on ESPN2. <laughs> Rex. Yeah, equal, right the same. Right, the same. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one. And uh, we know that there's no Purdue football this weekend because Wisconsin's got the COVID. You know, I heard people, I heard Purdue fans at work today, and they were complaining. They, they want to know why that wasn't a forfeit. It was considered a no contest. They wanted a forfeit. And I said, I think technically you have to get in your bus and go drive down there and show up. And then if you're available, then you can win it as a forfeit. Well, we know the NCAA has relaxed or gotten rid of all the rules for bowl eligibility if they even play any bowl games. So it's not like Purdue really needs to to uh, get six wins to be bowl eligible. But uh, certainly would have been great to uh, have that uh, forfeit win over uh, Wisconsin. And on Sunday, with pregame starting at noon, I believe, we've got the Colts and the Ravens. The Ravens somehow couldn't score, even though they were in Steelers' territory twice at the end of the game on Sunday. Um, who do you see winning that game? I think the Colts will win that game. The Colts have been playing pretty well, uh, as long as they get their running game back and uh, they get Phillip Rivers throwing some touchdown passes and they give everybody healthy. They got a couple guys banged up last week, but uh, I see the Colts winning that game. And so uh, as we have a few minutes left here for the Craigville Appliance Point After, uh, Rex, want to talk a little bit about uh, winter sports and the precautions that are coming out from different sport associations. Um, as we saw in the election last night, the Midwest varies from state to state on all kinds of things. We know that Illinois has already taken wrestling and moved it out of the winter season. We know that Indiana has said, that's what they've said. They've said nothing. What COVID? Uh, just uh, crickets from the IHSAA for the most part. They've they've shared some things from the National Federation as to uh, what programs might want to do. But just as they did in the fall, really, they made no real decree on anything. They said, if you're healthy and you're not quarantined, compete. If you're not healthy and you have to quarantine, you're done. There's no rescheduling games. There's no pushing games to midweek. Uh, for football, if you can't play on Friday night or Saturday morning, then you're done. Um, in Michigan, they have doubled down on their plan. And Rex, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but they are going to wear masks to wrestle. And the state association has basically come out and said, you know what? We're either going to wrestle with masks or we're not going to wrestle at all. And that's what we're going to do. And a couple of coaches complained, and they came back out and said, no, this is what we're going to do. It's your ultimatum. You either wrestle this way or not. They're going to wrestle. And, you know, to their credit, both wrestlers will be wearing masks. Uh, they came out with their rules, and basically it's going to be just like headgear. Uh, you have to wear headgear in high school. If it falls off in the middle of a pinning combination, they don't blow the whistle and stop it and make you put your headgear back on. They're not going to do that with your mask. Uh, They're not going to allow you to remove your mask to get a whistle. But uh, if you're on your feet and not 
uh, touching your opponent, you're going to either be asked to put it back up if it just needs to slip up over your nose, or they're going to blow the whistle and they're going to make you put it back on. And uh, I have a feeling that you're going to see some warnings and some penalty points for not uh, keeping it on to the best of your ability. And, uh, you know, I don't know what will happen. I don't know if we'll make it to February. But if Michigan makes it further than Indiana in their season, then kudos to them. So let, let's time for a little editorial and you, your disclaimer that we typically read on here. This is the opinion of Rex Brewer and not the opinion of WZBD Sports. We've seen other big tournaments in the country, in the area. Uh, they had the big Indiana, the uh, Matt.com preseason opener um they've had the big uh 32 team tournament um there have not been huge outbreaks because of it and uh as what i heard one guy was complaining he said wrestling is as intimate as you get how can you dare wrestle you're going to spread the disease well guess what if you're healthy and you don't have it you're wrestling you're not going to spread it and that i guess it's if you're healthy stay healthy if you're sick don't wrestle don't spread it to your teammates and that's how this season's going to go on. I mean, some people have the contention, COVID's not going to be over until everyone's had it. And if you have it, you quarantine, you get better, you come right back out, and you go through. And, and that's going to be the, the way this season goes is if you're sick, you don't get a wrestle. If you're healthy, you keep going. Now, some of the other regulations that the Michigan Association came out with, they are going to limit teams to one competition per week. Uh, and they have uh, opened up the entire season. They've placed no restrictions on travel within the state. They've kind of um, said that they don't want teams to travel outside of state, but they've said you can have any competition you want as long as there's four or less teams and you can wrestle once a week. And those are the rules that we're going to play by, and we're going to try to get to the state tournament. Now, the IHSAA has kind of left teams up to you do what you want, and I know that some teams are already backing out of eight and 12 and 16 team tournaments because they're worried about exposure. And I have a feeling that there are going to be some schools who say, you know what, we're not going to travel on Saturday and sit in a gym for eight hours with 200, 300, 400 people from 12 different schools. We're going to stick close by and we're just going to try to get to the end of January. Well, it's starting to weed itself out anyway. We've seen several very large tournaments cancel out already just because they do not want to have that kind of uh, volume of people in one place at one time. So people are going back, and like you said on our wrestling show there, and I, it's going to go back almost like the old days where you wrestle a couple dual meets during the week, and you don't have these big, massive super tournaments on the weekends. And uh, I know that Coach Myers at Belmont has been advocating, saying that we compete too much uh, uh, as a sport in Indiana, that we're constantly going to too many tournaments, and it's too hard to follow, and parents have to practically uh, take a sabbatical to, to get through wrestling season because there's so many things to go to. And uh, I uh, applaud the local schools who are taking those canceled tournaments. And instead of going and finding another Saturday to go spend at a gym, uh, right now the Belmont coaches are trying to find two dual meet opponents. Hey, let's wrestle on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Let's, let's spread our season out so that we've got a nice balanced schedule. If we do miss two seasons or two weeks, I'm sorry, We'll miss two or three matches, but we'll still have 12, 13, 14 more. And, and that's not a bad thing. I remember back in the day in, in my era, I mean, if you were a state champion for Belmont and you went undefeated like a Chris Mailer and a Bill Scholson, you were 30-0. and 0. You're 28-0. I mean, we saw the, t the times when, like, Mac Taylor and the Mac Davis and those guys from uh, Newcastle, 55-0, and 0, they get to the state finals. I mean, those kids wrestled so many multiple match tournaments that they racked up these enormous records, but we didn't have that 
that opportunity to wrestle that many matches back in the 80s. And I'll tell you from an Adams County's perspective with Belmont, Adams Central, and South Adams, if you went to the three head coaches right now and said, give me your full lineup and show me the weight cards, none of the three teams I think right now have a full lineup. There's a, there's a forfeit in all three lineups right now. When you're trying to recruit a kid out of the hallway and you're going to tell him that he's going to spend every Saturday from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m., uh, somewhere at some high school wrestling for a total of 11 minutes, it's hard to recruit them. But you tell them that, that, that there are 13, 14, 15 dual meets, six or seven of them at home, six or seven of them within a half hour, an hour's drive that their parents can come watch them for an hour and a half. You know, that's something that I think the sport needs. Don't tell them that they're going to bust their hind in every night after school, sweating, cutting weight. Don't tell them that part. That's not the fun part. Going to matches and wrestling, that's the fun part. But the, the other hard work, that's like these kids that run hundreds of miles and kids on a swim team that swim thousands of miles. I mean, that part is not easy. So the, the competition is your, that's your glory of when you get to a participate in an event and it's right around the corner um swimming girls basketball wrestling have already started boys basketball is going through conditioning right now their tryouts are right around the corner and uh as soon as uh we get through football and hopefully we still have four weeks of football left rex um we're going to be uh intermingling the winter sports broadcasts with the um fall sports broadcasts and uh we may even have to uh kick a basketball game off the radio so that we can bring you some uh, state finals football action i can live with that okay with that we're going to call it quits on hits or sports weekly for the night and uh, we thank you for listening and we will find you back here uh, back here on wednesday next week at 6 p.m Channel Z, 92.7 FM, is WZBD, Burn, Decatur, and Bluffton.